dive into the message. If you've got message notes, go ahead and pull those out. If you're new to Anchor Bend, I work hard to get my outline out to you uh, each and every week. So when you walk in, even if you don't take a worship guide, there's someone standing at the door with a bucket. They can hand you just the message notes. Uh, you can also follow along on the app, Anchor Bend TX. Uh, and, and I just, the way I look at it is I want to hear what you're saying, but I also want to take it home and study it and look at it. And so I make sure that you're resourced. How many have ever kept up with all your message notes? Isn't it good to go back? You're like, oh, yeah, I'm dealing with this. I'm going to go back and read it and look at it and study it. And so we make those available to you. So I encourage you to take notes and to follow along if you would like to do that. Uh, now, today we are launching a brand new series that you asked for. Now, I love this series. Uh, this is the series where I, I kind of hodgepodge a whole bunch of different topics. But it's not just topics that are important to me. These are topics that are important to you. So at Easter, we had over 2,000 of you show up on the Easter weekend, and, and we had a survey. Every one of you, I asked you, I said, hey, even if you don't go to this church, even if you don't come very often, would you fill out a survey? And part of the survey was, what would you like for me to preach on? What would you like for me to communicate about? Here's some topics, and you guys filled it out. And uh, it's amazing because that's what this series is all about. It's your greatest uh, thoughts or ideas, what you want some resolution with, what, what, are, what are some some topics that I want you to hit. And it was funny, the highest one by far was relationships. And if you'll remember, what did I talk on during the summer? You guys, there were so many people that said, I need help with relationships. We just, I actually shifted the series in the summer and made July all about relationships. Now, these are the next few hot topics that you asked for. And today, I'm actually going to talk about how to deal with stress. So, so you said, Pastor, help me. I'm stressed. Anybody feel stressed? Come on, how many feeling a little bit stressed out right now? You're hearing the crickets. You're like, that cricket's stressing me out. I got it. I got it. You're going to have to ignore that. And so, so you get a little bit stressed out. I mean, we, we all live a little bit stressed out. Now, I do want to just kind of give you a, a, a caveat. I don't know if I can solve that this morning, but I do think I can help you simplify your life. I do think I can help point you in the right direction in your life uh, this morning. And, and it's funny, we are stressed out, but the truth is we're busier than we've ever been. We're doing more than we have ever done in a generation. In fact, I read a study that says this is the first generation that will actually work 181 hours more in 12 months than the previous generation. Think about it, 181 hours more. So no extra months, just more work. I mean, that's, that's a little stressful. You're like, and you wonder why I barely make it to church. It's because life is stressful. Your job, anybody got a stressful job? Anybody, anybody got a stressful job? You're like, I'm still stressed. I can't put my hand up, Pastor. I mean, you're a little stressed, right? And, and, and we're doing too much. And Job recognized this sentiment as well. Yeah, I'm on my third service. Y'all going to get the crazy pastor today. Look, so, so look, Job recognized this sentiment as well. Look at what he says. He says, my days go faster than a runner. So look, I'm going here. I'm going there. I'm going this place. And it just, it's fast. And he says, look, they fly away without me seeing any joy. And I bet that's a good description of your life right now. I bet some of you, it's like the days fly by, and if you were to look at it, there's not a whole lot of joy in your days. Uh, Phyllis and I were driving last week. My son, Caden, is playing tackle football, and so we're traveling, and this game was about an hour away, and it was fun because Phyllis and I get to spend time together and talk, and so we're talking, and somewhere in the middle of the drive, she looks at me, and she says, Jim, do you realize 
that we are almost in October. I don't know about you, but that stresses me out. Like we are all, do you guys get it? Like we're halfway through, we're almost, it's almost Halloween. Like it's almost fair days at the end of this month. You know fair days, like the whole fair weekend. Y'all better show up. That's all I'm saying. We got three services, you better show up on fair weekend. But it's already almost here. Like, like the school's days have been flying by. We're weeks into it. It's just like it never stops and, and life is so busy. And really with the busyness of life, the, the challenge is life is very complicated. And, and what I need you to know this morning is there's no such thing as a stress-free life. So I can't take the stress all away from you. But I can help us have some tools and some focus and some, some new belief systems that help us minimize the stress that we will feel. And, and look, look at what John 16, says. John actually speaks to this. Jesus does. And John, he says, in this world you will have, everybody say that word. That is not very positive. Come on. You're like, Pastor, I came for you to give me something positive. I am positive you're going to have some trouble. I'm going to have some trouble. Like, and I don't know about you, but trouble stresses me out, right? I mean, anybody ever had trouble follow you? Anybody had a, a bad day, like a lot of trouble in one day? Anybody got a, a bad week, a bad month, a bad year? How many had a bad life? No, don't say it. Don't say it. Just <laughs> trouble. And so for me, when I feel trouble, I feel very stressed. And so I can't tell you I can take it all away. I can't say, you know, it's going to be gone. But what I can tell you is that Jesus has given us what we need to overcome the trouble of this world. And that's the confidence that we can have. And, and for us, look, you're going to have challenges. You're going to have struggles. You're going to have problems. You're going to feel stress. But can we minimize the stress? And the answer is yes, I believe we can. We've got to simplify our lives. We've got to make sure that we think different. You, look, you can't think the same way the world thinks. Why, you're not of this world, you're of a different kingdom. And so if we keep operating the same way the world operates and wanting something different, that's really insanity. If you want a different life, you've got to operate differently than everybody else. And those are the principles that should be the foundation for our belief system. And so I want to give you three beliefs that we've got to have. If you want to have less stress in your life, you've got to believe these. They've got to be the foundation of your life. And then I'm going to give you three focuses where we need to point our direction towards the end of the message. The first thing that we've got to believe, the first thing that's got to be the foundation of our life is we've got to believe it's better to have less of what doesn't matter and more of what does. Got to have less of the things that don't matter and, and, and more of the things that really matter most. And, and really that's not the philosophy of the world and the mantra of the world. And, and you know this, it's we want more. Like what do you want? More. More of what? Just more. Like, like quantity is not always equal to quality, but yet it's always more and more. Like, what do you, when, when are you going to be satisfied? I, I heard a, a, a billionaire, I was listening to an audio book on this billionaire, and it was so amazing, his life, what they were doing was categorizing or talking about the ruin of his life, and, and he was so filthy rich, and he was so tight with his money, he didn't have a relationship with his family, just filthy rich, and one day a reporter came to him. And said, Mr. Gatsby, when, when is it going to be enough? And do you know what he said? It's never enough. It's never enough. So, so there's this mentality of I want more, I need, I need more, I need more. When's it enough? Never. Never. It's the pursuit of riches that ruin our life. And, and, and look at us. I mean, think about this. I mean, 
Come on, if one Krispy Kreme donut is good, two is better. Come on, you know when that hot sign is flashing. Look, we go to San Antonio, we have vacation. There's this one spot we go to, they got Krispy Kreme. We are constantly looking for that hot sign, baby. Hot, 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 hot. Yeah, baby. And you say you're going to have one, but how many know you buy the half dozen, you sit there and eat them, and then you feel sick. You're like, oh, it was so good, but I feel so bad. Come on, you, you know what I'm talking about. If one dollar is good, two is. Yeah, if, if one car is good, two is. If one child is good, two is. Yeah, you didn't want to say that, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If one wife is good, two is wrong. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. Don't do it. You can't even handle the one wife you got. I'm just saying. Don't do it. Look, I mean, you, you, you know what I'm saying, so, but it's this mantra of more is better, and it's just not true. It's not true. You know, and we do have a lot of stuff. There's a lot of things we're doing in, in our lifetime. In fact, here's some stats that we will go out and eat 14,411 times. I mean, you're eating out, and, and here's the terrible part, 1,811 is McDonald's. Tell me, no, that is not better. I don't even know if that qualifies for food. Look, you're going to spend 13 years, four months watching television on average. We spend five years waiting in line. Just go to the DPS office in Rosenberg. You know exactly what I'm talking about. In fact, you're still waiting in line listening to this message on the, on the podcast. Look, it's been one year looking for things that we've lost. Some of you, you'll be spending two. <laughs> so you, you, isn't it amazing? And look, we, we'll go on average to 35 different weddings in our lifetime, uh, we're going to drive 627,000 miles in our lifetime. That's 25 times around the world. Look, you got time. It's that I think we invested in the wrong places. And we kind of squander it and we waste it. And then we feel stressed because we're trying to do everything and life's not working for us. So, so what do we do? That's the big question, right? What, what do we do? Look at what it says in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 6. Better one handful. Yeah, but pastor, I got two hands. No, 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 no. Better is one handful with tranquility. See, that's what you're pursuing, right? You're telling me, pastor, I'm stressed out. Pastor, I need some peace. Pastor, my life is unmanageable right now. I need some of that tranquility. Say, look, one handful with tranquility, then two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Look, more is not better. We've got to learn, look, you don't need everything you want. Come on, I know you want it all, but you can't have it all. And you've got to understand that. There, well, we've got to look, if you want to live the life God's called you to live, you've got to live a life with margin. Margin. Everybody, everybody say margin. That's like, I, I can't do, I, I'm going to do what I can with one handful. Less is better. The second thing we've got to believe is it's better to live by design, not default. I've got to live by design. What's that mean? That means I have to have a true belief system that God has a plan for my life, and I'm going to live that plan out. I'm not just going to haphazard. Look, if you don't have a plan for your life, you are planning to fail. And look at what it says in Psalms 139, 16. says, all the days ordained for me. So look, I want you to know you're an ordained minister. Yeah, but I'm not a minister. No, no, no. You are ordained to what? To minister to the world that you live in. To go out and be the hands and feet. Like God's got all of your days They're in a book before one ever came to be. 
Like he's got a plan. And so what we've got to look at is, look, if God's got a plan for my life, how many know my number one responsibility is to have a relationship first with him and then secondly say, God, you've got a plan for me. What's the plan? Right? And, and that's where, look, look to me, young people, you, you can't be anything you want. I know, and, 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 I, and, and I don't want to spoil anything. And, and look, I, I've even said that, and God's corrected me to my kids. I told them, you can't be anything you want when you, when you grow up. Why, Daddy? Because you got to be what God created you to be. So how are we going to figure it out? Well, we're going to go to church. We're going to go to small groups. We're going to go to next steps, and we're going to figure this thing out. But God has a plan for you, so you can't just go and do this or do that. It's like, God, what is the plan for my life? I am going to, this is where I'd say it, run the play. Whatever the play is for my life, if you're in sports, whatever the play is, I'm going to run that play. Now, how many of you like football? I know, anybody like football? We got Texans. I'm cognizant. We're going to catch the second half with the Texans. So, so, so you, you like in football. And, and some of you ladies, I said football, you like checked out. You're like, oh, good Lord. It's, look, it, it's not a hard illustration. You know, when, 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 when you play football, this illustration, you don't have to know the rules. But what happens is the quarterback says, hut, hut. And the center hikes the ball to the quarterback, right? When that happens, the team runs the play. So Friday night, I was at the game, Lamar versus Terry. Anybody see? Yeah, who, who's Lamar? Okay, who's Terry? Uh, Lamar, I love you, but I wasn't praying for you. I'm just saying, you know. So, so, so I love you, Lamar. I, I, I'm not going to split the church. Please come back. Please come back. So it was a good game. It, it was a good game. But could you imagine, you know, the quarterback out there is, is getting ready. He hikes the ball. And, and imagine, I'm, I'm, my nephew's plays on the team. He's the quarterback for the Terry. And so I imagine Brandon getting the ball, and now the linemen go to the side. Like, they run out of bounds. And then some run over here, and some run to that school. And then the center just turns around and runs back over here. And everybody's going. And it's like, huh, huh? And everybody goes in all directions at all times. How many think that would be chaos? Can I ask you a question? Would that team win the game? Absolutely not. In fact, people be like, look at that. Woo. Oh, that's Terry. Or, woo, that's Lamar. You know? No, no, because teams don't win when they're not moving in the right direction. You've got to be moving towards something. But we're in the game of life. And I wonder if in the mornings when we wake up, we're just like that disorganized team. You're going to this thing and that thing and this thing, and you couldn't say no to your best friends, whatever, over here and, and over here. And, and your parents expect this and that. And, and so what happens is you don't have a play you're running. You don't have a direction you're running. You didn't talk to God today, but you're going in all places at all times, and you wonder why you're losing in the game of life. You wonder why you're stressed out. You wonder why life's not working. And it's because you've not realized that there's a design. And so I can't go in all directions. i got to go in the right direction because I'm in the game of life. And look, you have to know and believe God has a plan for your life. He does. He loves you. And somebody said, but for me, I mean, my parents said I was an accident. You might have been an accident for your parents, but you ain't no accident for God. He fashioned you. He formed you. He created you. And you have purpose. And you've got to know he has a plan for your life. But I want you to know this too. Credit card companies have a plan for your life. 
Come on, somebody. They want you to pay that minimum for the rest of your life so they can get rich. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know schools have a plan for your kid's life and for your life? If you don't watch it, that school will dominate every hour, every minute, every second of not only your child's life but your family's life. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, it kind of bothers me, so I'm going to voice it, how every teacher gives my child homework in every class. Like, can't, look, you got them for eight hours, somebody. Can I get them back home? without 50, I'm meddling a little bit, I know. Can my art teacher not give my boy homework? What kind of homework you got in art? No, I'm just saying, just joking. But they have some, like, right, they'd put you in extracurricular activities. Why? Because that's how they gauge success. But here's the challenge. Listen to me, parents. My boy plays football. It's awesome. We got so many young people that play football and cheerlead and all that from, from Terry and Lamar. And it's awesome. What you got to make sure is that it's moving in the right direction. Like, God, we can do some of this, but we can't do all of it. I, I got to manage some of it and, and say, okay, look, we can't play every sport, but we can't play one sport. And not going to allow your plan to dominate God's plan. Because here's what I know. If your plan pulls them out of church, if your plan pulls them out of youth group, if your plan pulls them out of small groups, then how can they connect to the creator God who fashioned them and formed them and has the plan for them? And so we just got to be real careful. And, and look, you just take it as you see it. And one of the things at our church, we're passionate about connecting people to God. That's what I love about our worship. Worship ain't about the worship team up here. Worship is about you and God connecting to him. That's what we do every Sunday. We connect people to God. But we can't just stop there. The next thing I got to connect you to his plan and purpose, and we do that through next steps. Phyllis talked about it. I would ask you this. If you're not sure the plan or the play God has for your life, just go to our next steps class. It happens after each service. There's four weeks. I don't need every Sunday. I just need four Sundays. I don't need every weekend, just four weekends. And it's four steps. There's the first Sunday, step one, second Sunday of the month, step two, third Sunday, step three, fourth Sunday, step four. And you don't even have to go in order. But the point of the class is to help you uncover how God created you in your spiritual gifts and your personality. And then there are people there that say, hey, look, if you did, this probably would lead towards this and you can start moving. Here's the key. I'm not saying you're going to get the ta-da, this is what God said. But you will be moving in the right direction. Like the team is moving the ball in football down the yard line, down the, down the field. And so we got to make sure, God, you created me. I am going to discover your plan. The third belief we've got to understand is it's better to get the right thing done than more things done. God, i got to focus on the right thing. i got to be intentional. I can't do everything. I'm going to be intentional with what I can do. And we've got to make sure that we're not gauging the success of our life by how busy we are. But we got to gauge our life by how effective we are. I mean, busyness is really a weird deal nowadays. Like back in the old days, I don't know that busyness would have been a, a badge of honor, but now it's like it's a badge of honor, right? I'm on my grind. I'm on my grind. What you do? You're bu I'm busy. I'm busy. I'm busy. So, so here's the challenge. You could be moving all day long. Don't mean you're effective. Like, like busyness, it, it's become a status symbol, right? Like, like if I'm busy, I'm successful. If I'm, if I'm busy, I'm valuable. If I'm busy, then I've got, I'm worth something. But the truth is, look, I'm not looking for some busy bee. I'm looking for the effective bee. I'm looking for the one that produces the honey. I'm asking, hey, is your life, at the sum of your life, does it have the value that comes from a life that was focused? 
I'm, I, I'm focused. I'm, I, I'm not busy. I'm, I'm effective. I'm not looking for busy. Effectiveness. Look at Proverbs 17, 24. An intelligent person aims at wise action, but a fool starts off in many directions. God, I'm looking for the right actions. I'm looking for the right ways. And we've got to have God's help in it. The psalmist says it so well. Teach us, Lord, to number our days and recognize how few they are. Look, here's another thing you got to know. And, and this is not really a positive thought, so I'm sorry. We'll pick it back up. Every one of us have a death date. You know, you got a birthday. Woo! And you got a death date. Woo! <laughs> Not so good, but, but everybody, everybody has it. So what does it mean? Like, like there's a day that you're appointed to die. There's a day that God, God already knows when we're going to die. And, and so what we have to understand is, look, there are ordained days for us. And I want to number the days. I'm 41 years young. And, and, and I guess me passing the halfway mark, I think I'm probably somewhere in the halfway mark, I recognize the days are getting fewer and fewer. I want my latter half of life to be way better than the first half. Come on, I made a lot of mistakes in the first half. I made a lot of dumb decisions. Wasted a lot of time. I need these last days to count for something. And so the psalmist says, would you help us to spend them as we should? Help me invest them. Help me, God, to, 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 to manage the life, to focus on what matters most. And, and you have to know this. And, and life is funny like this. There are things you do that don't matter. And that's okay. Like, you're not, I, I, think, there, I think it's okay. I mean, right? How many get on social media? I'm going to get on there a little bit too much. You don't have to raise your hand. I'm not going to make you be guilty by your spouse who's judging you. I'm just saying, you know. They, uh, so, but how many, how many ever watch a movie? Anybody watch a movie? Phyllis and I went and watched one. We vegged out in front of the Cinemark Theater. It was awesome. We didn't say nothing. We just watched the screen. It was awesome. But it, it, it wasn't any value. It was just, it was just sitting there. And, and, and maybe you could watch sports. We're going to go watch Texans. And, and it's good. But at the end of the day, the Texans didn't change my life. Jesus did. Come on, somebody. So, I mean, it's good, but what we have to understand, I'm not knocking some of the things we do that don't have eternal value. What I'm saying is we can't do those before the things that really have value. Like we got to make sure the big rocks, the big priorities are in their place before we try to do things that don't really have any value. And that's the filter that we got to be looking at when we prioritize our life. Here's the question you ought to ask yourself. And if you want to write it down, you could. It'd be a great question. Will what I'm doing matter 100 years from now? Will what I'm doing matter 100 years from now? So going through the social media scrolls, look, I got social media, I mean, I'm, I'm with it, but will that matter in the light of 100 years from now? And so I think that's a great filter for us to look at, and I think there are three things that matter 100 years from now. The first one that we ought to be focused on is God. Everybody say God. God matters. He's got to be the number one. Now, I know you're in church and you're thinking, man, that's, that's a given, Pastor. We're here. But, but, but you got to understand it's got to be more than head knowledge. It's got to be heart knowledge. That we're asking God, you've given me a plan for my life. I need to learn the plan. Then what that means is i got to know the God who has the plan. i got to make sure he's the center of my life. And look, Jesus actually speaks about this in Matthew chapter 6. It's one of the few times that in Scripture he addresses stress and worry. Uh, and, and look at what it says. It says, but seek second, third, fourth, fifth, on my list somewhere. No, no, what's he say? Come on, you talk a little bit. Loud. Talk back to me. First, the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things are going to be added. So, so, so you want your life to be less stressful, put him in the center. And here's the challenge. Look, 
And, and this is where we've got to be real careful. L listen to me, because this is, this is the part where I think some of you, the light may come on. It can look good to everybody else. Like, it can look like God is at the center of our life. But the challenge is we'll start to do all the right things, and, and we start moving our life in a direction, but then we kind of inch God out. So I'm doing the things that he's called me to do, but I forgot the God who called me to them. And, and that's where it gets really dangerous because religion is what that's called. Looks a lot like relationship at the beginning. Because you, why, 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 what do you mean, Pastor? It means you come to Sunday service or Saturday night service. It means you go to small group. It means you could even go to next steps and you could serve on the dream team and you could be giving tithes. But if God's not at the center, if God's not the focus of your life, it becomes religious action. So there's a workspace, but there's no power. So, so here's a way to illustrate it. Phyllis loves gardens. I'm not a fan of gardens. She's done it a couple of times and it's great. And so she just realized, look, we're too busy to manage a garden, but I could plant a few things. So she planted a watermelon uh, vine or whatever it is, and we produced some watermelons. It's awesome. And she got a lemon tree. She's like, I love lemons, so I'm going to plant a lemon tree. And so she goes and gets the little seed. It's just a seed, puts it in the ground, makes a little spot, puts some dirt there, and, and it's pretty awesome. You know, it starts to come up, and she, she's like, hey, you see my, my lemon tree? I'm like, no, it looks like a weed. In fact, there's weeds all around. Anybody ever see it? It's like, just, just looks like all the other stuff. And clearly, my lawn man thought the same thing because he's whacked it down several times. And I'm like, she must have had a talk because he stopped chopping it down. But the grass has grown around it. And at the very beginning, it's very interesting. The weeds and the tree look similar. There's not a whole lot of difference. Like, it's just coming out the ground. It, it ain't big. It ain't producing fruit. But what happens is time. Time happens. And you'll see this weed kind of stops right here, and the tree is now growing. So finally, he's figured out, that's a tree. I'm not going to cut it down. And it's growing, and it's growing, and it's growing. And because of time, what will happen is that tree that looked a lot like a weed and that weed that looked a lot like a tree, they're no longer the same thing because they're producing two different results. One is still a weed, and one is now a tree that's going to produce some lemons, God willing, in a couple of years. I wonder if that's our life with Christianity. Like, like when you come into church, it all looks the same, right? I mean, I can't tell the difference of who's here and small groups. But over time, there is a different fruit that's produced in your life if you have a relationship versus religion. And so it's got to be more than just this, oh, God, you're at the center. We come. No, no, God, you've got to be the breath. And, and when you became a Christian, many of you in here, now there are some of you, you're not a Christian. You're chasing or figuring it out. You may be an atheist, an agnostic Muslim. That's awesome. We invite you here because you don't have to believe to belong. But many of you, listen, you're in this place. And you've had the salvation experience. You remember what happened like when you were saved, when God pulled you out of the broken relationship, when God pulled you out of the club, when God pulled you out of the dysfunctional workaholic that you used to be, when God restored your marriage, when God healed your family, when God touched your body. It was an amazing day. You got up and you're like, God, you're at the center. I'll give you everything, everything. And then what happens is time. We get a little comfortable. So we got to be careful that though I'm not, we go to heaven, that's awesome. I don't want to just make it to heaven. I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. 
And the only way for that to happen is, God, you've got to be at the center of my life. You can't just be on the list. You've got to be at the top of the list. Second thing that matters is people. People matter. Uh, we've got to realize that the only thing that shows up in heaven from this earth is people. People are eternal. People are what God cares about. People live forever. And so if we're going to prioritize our life, look, if we're going to say this, this is the direction, this is the focus of my life, it can't be getting stuff. It can't be trying to be busy with it. It's got to be, look, I'm going to focus my life on relationships. Relationships are what matter. That we've got to make sure that, that people that God brings into our life, people that we're trying to reach, that our life is really focused on what matters most. Now, let me prove it to you how relationships impact our life. I, I would love to say that Sunday morning is the greatest thing, that I'm a great preacher, and you just walk out of here and you're like, woo, my life has changed. And I think some of that happens. I think you get inspired, and that's the goal. But, but if I've really impacted your life in that way, tell me the last five sermons I preached. Well, don't speak up all at the same time. You're like, Pastor, I can't even think about the last one. I know. And I preach my guts out. But here, let me ask you this. Tell me the names of 10 people that have impacted your life. You're like, do, do, and here's the good ones. Oh, and that's the bad one. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, but you, why? But good or bad, people impact your life. Not information. Not, not this, this, this big place, like it's awesome. What you got to understand, we built this church not to be a gathering and a spectacle where the masses come. And listen, I am so forever grateful of the people that are coming to this church and the growth that we're experiencing. But that's not the litmus test for my success. I, I just want you to know, like it doesn't matter if this place is full. I, I, I turned around. This service has a tendency to show up a little bit late. There's like two people. The song starts and then y'all show up. It's funny. But I was just thinking, my litmus test for success is not whether people show up. My litmus test for success is are you building relationships? Is your life free? Are you better today than you were last week? Is my life moving in the right direction? And healing only comes in the context of relationship. And we got to be careful because some of you have no relationships. And if that is you, look at what it says in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. So that's the problem, right? You come to the big service, but the truth is you're in a crowd and in your life you're alone. And so what, what you see is my, my life is being attacked, my life is being defeated, I'm not seeing any victory. But look, that's because, look at what it says, but two can stand back to back and conquer. So what do you mean, Pastor? You need a ride or die. You need some people that are like, I'm with you, good or bad. Your marriage is doing bad, that's okay, I'm with you. Your kids are acting bad, that's okay, I'm with you. Life is being hard on you, that's okay, I'm with you. You mess up and sin, that's okay, I'm with you. Why? Because we ride or die. I'm building a relationship. We're going to conquer the things of this world. And it says three are even better. For a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So what are you saying, Pastor? We've got to make relationships a priority. So God's a priority People are a priority, and here's the third one, eternity matters. It's got to be a priority. Look at what it says in, in, in Matthew 13, 44, and I really hope you get this point. I think this is one that's a pivotal point for many of us. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. So it's kind of like a treasure chest, and there's all this, this, this gold, these diamonds, and it's hidden in a field, and it says, but a man found it. And then when he found it, look, he's like, praise God, 
this is awesome, but it's not my field. So it says, look, he goes and gets the treasure and he hides it. And then look at what he says. And then in his joy, what does he do? He sells all that he has to go and buy the field that the treasure was hidden in. I mean, think about this. If we knew what the field was, because this is Jesus talking about treasure. If there was that kind of treasure somewhere, how many think it would be worth us leveraging our life? Look, so all that we have to go and to get the treasure that has been hidden. Here's a good illustration. There's a company that has impacted every single one of us. Your life is being impacted right now by it. All of us in America and around the world, and the name of the company is Apple. Love it, like it, hate it, don't matter. We're using Macs now. You're being impacted by Apple right now. You got your iPhone, your iPods, you got your earbuds, you got your this, that, and this, and that, and everything else, MacBooks. I mean, it's all I, I, I. And here's the amazing thing about, about, about Apple. They really have revolutionized our life. I was doing some study on it. In 1980 is when the stock went public. If you would have bought $990 of stock in Apple in 1980, some of you weren't around that then. I get it. I was. But if you'd have bought, if you'd have bought some stock back there, just $990 worth of Apple today, the stock value would be worth $521,740 without the dividends. That's just the value of it. Half a million. So $1,000, half a million dollars. Now look, you ain't even got to be good at math to know that's good. Come on, somebody. You're like, a little bit of this for a whole lot of that. Anybody with me? You know, you know what I'm talking about? So, so here's the question. If you knew then what you knew now, how many of you would find $990? How many of you would go look under the mattress? You go, you go ask people. I mean, come on, somebody. And I got you go sell your bicycle. Like I would be six years old, whatever. How, I'd be three years old. I'd be trying to pawn the bike. I'm just telling you. Like it's gonna be good, Mama. I can't talk, but you need to get some apple. Like, 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 but imagine back then. So, so imagine you had a house, imagine you had a car. Imagine you had savings. Imagine you, you, you had a retirement. If you knew then what you knew now, you would be wise to liquidate your savings. You'd be wise to liquidate your retirement. You said, but that's my retirement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get it. That's why I would liquidate it. Because that's going to be worth a whole lot more than what you're putting your money in in that retirement. I'd sell the house. And I'd use all the equity. and I mean, just imagine if you'd have invested $5,000, $4,500 into it, you'd have $2.5 million. I would be 41 years young with 2.5 million. Come on, somebody. Like, I, I'd, be, I'd be sitting pretty good. So, so, and then here's the deal. Look, if you're sitting in your apartment because you done sold the house, and you, you would be renting an apartment. You may not have a car. You may have to walk to work. But you know what? I do it with a smile. What's up? People say, like, you crazy. I, you can think I'm crazy. Why would you liquidate? Because I know something that you don't. There's been a secret that I have that I know there's going to be a great exchange for the price that I paid for this is going to return great dividends. So if we would do that for an Apple stock, an earthly stock, how in the world, for us, we've got to say, God, eternity far ways anything in the natural. That, God, I'm going to leverage this life to get stock in heaven because eternity is forever. 
ever, ever. And so that's why when I say you got to focus on eternity, focus on eternity. Look, look at what it says, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. For we must stand before Christ to be judged. Now, this judgment is not the, 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 the first judgment. The first judgment is a salvation judgment. I'm going to talk about this in six weeks. Like, it's whether or not you go to heaven or hell. It's what, here's the question that's going to be asked. What did you do with Jesus? Did you trust him to save you? Is he your Lord? Like, that's the question. But then you got to know, when you make it to heaven, there's going to be a second question, and that's this. Not what did you do with Jesus. That's eternity where you spend it, heaven or hell. It's going to be what did you do with your life? And with that answer, whatever is response from us and whatever our life shows, look at what it says. We're going to receive, and, and really it's a reward. One translation says a reward for whatever we deserve, whether good or evil, that we have done in this earthly body. So what do you mean? So that means what I do matters. So it means what, what, what I say matters, who I help matters, where I invest my energy, it matters. And if we're talking about running a play, I can't take away all the stress. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. Look, some of you serve on the dream team and you're going through hell in your marriage. Your finances are hard. You're flat broke. You're tithing. You're doing the things and it gets hard and you want to quit. What I would say is put your eyes back on eternity. Because when you look at eternity, this is fleeting. Look, man, I may be here 40 more years but what is that in eternity see now doesn't that take a little bit of pressure off look I ain't got to go to sister Susie's barbecue I need to go to brother wonderful's bar mitzvah I don't have to go to sister awesome's quinceanera I mean at the end of the day I'm gonna have to make some choices come on somebody I know I know and we don't want to disappoint people we don't want to say I can't do this but but wouldn't you rather disappoint some people and make God proud and wouldn't you rather disappoint a few people who may not understand now but in eternity they're gonna understand the choices that I made today and how I manage my life so so when I say it it, it can't just be something trite Oh, God and people. and No. My greatest job is to get you to have one eye on eternity and one eye on this earth. Like, we can't just get out. It's not escapism, but we've got to say, look, so what should we, we should be praying more than we've ever prayed. We ought to be serving more than we've ever served. You ought to be giving more than you've ever given, not just to this church. When's the last time we bought someone groceries? When's the last time we went and babysat someone's kids so they could go on a date night? Does that matter? It does because the Bible says when you've done it unto the least of these, you have done it unto me. Me. So what's filling up the schedule of your life? What's filling up all the time? What are you so stressed out about? So that's the hard part, right? Because that's where you're going to have to, after this message, you've got to say, well, look, baby, we need to assess our life because we're going to have to change a few things. Like we're feeling stressed because we're trying to please everybody else. And you just, if you will resolve, I cannot please everybody. I cannot do everything. But I can make sure that I'm putting these things first. And then if we got time, look, go, we're going to watch Texans today. Hopefully they win. Come on, somebody. Say a prayer for them. I don't know if Dallas is playing, but let's pray they win too, somebody. So, any Dallas fans? A couple, yeah, okay. That's awesome. Got two. We'll be Texans fans till we see how they end up the rest of the season, right? No, it's it all depends. So go do fun things. 
But don't let it dominate your life. Don't get to heaven having just barely made it. And look, trouble's coming. It's okay, but he gives us strength to overcome it. Father, I pray for, you, for your people, God. I pray for this morning. I thank you for what you've done, God, that you have done only what you can do. You've revealed some areas. You've revealed some spots in our life that we've got to get in check. And Lord, maybe even realigning some priorities. We got you out of the center of our life and wonder why we feel so stressed. But the truth is we're inviting you back. Some of you right now, you just need to invite him back to the center of your life. You got away from it. The Bible says you got away from your first love. Revelation, talking to the church, get, get back to your first love. Just need to tell him just right now, God, help me get back to my first love. Some of you, it's people. You know, you, you've been hurt by people. And you just got to say, God, give me the courage to not be alone. I recognize today I'm being devoured and attacked, and it's because I've been by myself. And today you just got to say, God, I forgive whoever it is. And, Lord, I'm, a, I'm asking you for courage. God, I'm asking you to give people courage. Some people are going to join groups today, and they're nervous. Listen, everybody's nervous. Everybody. But you can't let the fear stop you from making what needs to be a priority in your life a priority. And people are a priority. And then eternity. So I, I repented putting this message together and just praying. I said, God, I haven't always had an eye on eternity. It's easy for me to get selfish. It's easy for me to to want to lay around and and just hang out. It's easy for me to not not want to do things that add value to people's lives in eternity. And listen, you're you're not alone. That's all of us. But that's why it's my responsibility to refocus us, to refocus our hearts and our minds and our lives and just say, no, God, we're, we're living for something greater. I could have this and that, but I really don't need it. I'm going to live with one fistful, one handful. That's enough. Why? Because I want peace and I want tranquility. And God, I thank you for the power to live like that in our lives. God, I'm asking you, let it be. Fill your people with peace, grace, and strength. And keep your head bowed and your eyes closed. Look, if, if that's you today, and, and, and maybe it's, it's more than just the peace you need, but you've assessed in your own life that you don't have a relationship with God. You're distant from Him. You've been trying to fix your life and make it all work, and the truth is you realize you can't do it. You're, you're tired, you're frustrated, and today you're desperate to have a relationship with a God that loves you. You're in the right place. You've assessed it correctly. You will never be able to work hard enough for salvation. The Bible says that salvation, we are saved by grace through faith. It is a gift from God not of works so that no one can boast according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. You can't work it. You can't make it happen. It's a gift. And today that gift is available to you. Well, what do you do? Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And here's what the Bible says. You will be saved. And this morning, this is your opportunity. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, nobody's looking around, but I wonder if that's you. Look, I'm not going to ask you to stand up, come down, but in this moment, I'm asking you to respond. Just raise your hand, just say, Pastor, that's me, I want to surrender right now. Just raise it up bold and high, just as an act of surrender. Yes, 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 yes. Just right now, just raise your hand. Jesus, we're giving you everything. Put your hands down, church, tell them how much you love them.